We're pretty bitter today. Not about anything in particular. We're just talking about bitter beer. We're going to try and figure out this distinctly English style of beer and maybe figure out more English things. Maybe today we'll finally figure out how to play cricket. Probably not, but still, come in and have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Oh, yeah. No uh, no cowbell for me today. No cowbell? Kind of kind of feeling. I, I do have a fever. And there's no there's no enthusiasm for cowbell right now. I may need to look into, actually. <laughs> that, that particular fever. <laughs> oh, but we were uh, just saw you guys a couple hours ago. I feel like I just left. Yeah. You may have, actually. <laughs> I think Casey had enough time to get home and shower and then turn everything on. And was like, hey, we got to do a show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything changed the last couple hours? Everyone's still doing okay? No one's no one's dying? Um, except Chris? I had a pizza and that kind of helped. Oh, okay. The, the apartment's significantly cleaner now. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I was uh, I don't know, 25 miles past Lexington when the hangover took hold. <laughs> Somewhere near Bartstow, the drugs began to take hold. That's about right. Oh, so yeah, uh, we had a few people over, and uh, we tried. Uh, you may have seen the tweets go out to do Iron Bartender, but... A new, a new segment for our video stream stuff. Yeah, but little did we know that Diamond Club was pretty much down no one was streaming still don't know exactly what was up with that but i think they were just doing an april fool's thing yeah because everyone knows april 1st when we were trying to do this uh is national don't check the internet day and they probably thought it was safer (laughs) which is fine i don't care so we still did it and for everyone that was here to watch it live because we were going to test it out something we might try at nerdtacular and it i think it was a huge success it was fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. Uh, we got to be creative. <laughs> it's it's neat when they give you ten minutes to create a a a drink recipe, a cocktail recipe from scratch. Yes. yes. They, Especially when you have no idea hit. what you're doing. <laughs> well, no, because you just, they drop it down. And you're like, um, okay. Especially had... the secret ingredient when yes, hibiscus. Hibiscus <laughs> yeah. flour. Yeah, yeah flour. It's like whole flowers. Yeah. And I was like, um. Took a minute to try to figure out what would work with that. And we all went kind of a different route. Oh, I think so, yeah. No, I think we all went distinct different routes. 
Like I went much more like a a, a tropical rum drink thing. Mine, Got a little too sugary. I'll, I'll agree with with the judges who was like, no, it's too sweet. Mine mine still was a tropical, but had way more going on. I think, which mm. may have been to my detriment. I, think, I did not uh, win. <laughs> the fact that we we went ahead and said no carbonation or very little carbonation, if any at all, um, that really made everything lean toward either the sweet or the um, boozy side, one way or the that, other, because it was kind of hard to to regulate without any sort of mixer that was carbonated. Yeah. That said, if I had used some. Uh... If I had had a mixer, I probably would have tossed like some. I had some carbonated things in there. I would have tossed like some a splash of Sprite or something. It's a simple syrup, right? Right. That would have. Yeah, that was probably all I would have done. Which we different with mine. We had, but you know, when I I thought about it afterwards, I was like, you know what, that would have been a better choice. But I worked with what I had during the time. Hindsight, hindsight's twenty (laughs) twenty. Yeah. That's like everyone was like, oh, you could have done this different with your drink, and it's like, yeah, I could have, but whatever. But you don't think about that in ten minutes. In the ten minutes, I didn't think about it. Chris has, I think, the most creative. Yes. Yeah. Had the best name. The dead beta. And then again, it's like this morning, it's like, you know, I could have actually managed to get the flower floating in the middle so it looked like a live beta, but instead it just looked, it was laying on the bottom and looked like a dead fish. (laughs) It kind of made it better. Uh, In case you're wondering, Casey, I believe, was the winner, right? Yes. Yes, Casey was the winner. Casey was the winner, and then um, uh, Chris was second, actually. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, Chris's uh, gin. Uh, Very simple gin. one. Uh, gin and uh, uh, sour apple pucker. Yeah. That, that was pretty uh, much it. With the hibiscus flower. Yeah. With the hibiscus flower floating in there. A little bit of it ice. Was, yeah. There was... yeah. I went with the, um, on on sort of the, the same sweet end, because you've got, hibiscus is sort of a sweet and tart flavor. Um You've got, of course, the hibiscus flavor itself, but it's got like a tanginess to it. The actual flower does. And this was in sweet syrup. So um, you had that really deep, rich, sweet syrup. And mm-hmm. so I mixed that with, I think, some two different types of rum, a spiced rum and a white rum. Um, and then let that sit for a little bit while I worked on garnish and all that good stuff. And then came back to that and added a little bit of lime juice, some tuaca, which is a, a vanilla and orange liqueur um and then added just i think a couple squeezes of orange in there as well uh, orange slices and give it a little bit of orange juice fresh orange juice flavor uh, serve it over ice that's hmm. your it's your winning recipe it was delicious you also and make sure you make sure you need to to rim your glasses with uh yeah, oh so we were allowed one, fanciest, um, yeah. one sleeper ingredient, that uh, secret of your own. And so I chose to go with um, Warhead's Candy, uh, a powdered, kind of like a lick and dip sticks, but a sour lick and dip stick. Uh, you could use pixie sticks or something like that to rim it with as well. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. Yes. Plus, uh, we also had a fair amount of beer to drink throughout the night. Yeah, and it was coming so quick that there was going to be no checking in to any of the beers. And then the next day, it's just like, (laughs) yeah, everyone's like, I have no clue what I drink. Like, just, (laughs) so it's just a blackout on Untapped, even though we had, like, 30, 40 beers. There were some, like, that stand out. Like, I got to try some of of the stuff you've been getting from from, uh, Listerman's there, their wrapper 
the yeah the hip hop series of IPAs. Sweet, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the uh, the Brewers Delight. Oh um, yeah, that is by far one of my favorites out of that series right now. Uh, but they were all all those were pretty good. Plus, uh, anything else that kind of stood out about some of those? Uh, that Flanders that we tried. Oh yeah, uh, Three Floyds. Red Dead Sour from Three Floyds, the Skeleton Witch beer. Which I don't know if Bob got to actually try that. Now that I think about it. Uh, it's uh, it, this doesn't sound familiar to me. You were outside at the time. No, oh, yeah. But it was, I'd been holding on to it for a while, no particular reason, just waiting for an event. And then everyone's like, go get a beer. You you pick. And I opened it and saw, and I was like, oh, we're taking that. It's like, I've been waiting forever. Now's my chance. Was, yeah, and then there's also the, the uh, what was that? There's the, the Shamrock. Shamrock Shake, yes. Shamrock oh, Shake. That was yeah. the barrel-aged with coffee added. Which was delightful. And then we never yeah. actually dug to the back of the fridge and got the regular ones out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Found them in they... there today when we were cleaning it out. No, we, we, we tried. We we tried to put a big as big a dent as we could into the uh uh into the 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 beer collection. And of, we, we failed of Casa Del Walker. We failed, yeah. and I think it's in part due to the ruinum. Oh, the Ruinum did get brought out. Uh, Thanks to hot beverages. Yeah. Uh, she, she came down. She uh, came down with Ruinum, and we uh, we got to try it for the first time. And it did ruin us, it turns out. It's, uh, it did. <laughs> it's bad. The name holds true. But it'll get you drunk. <laughs> it will. It's, it's not my favorite thing I've ever had. Now, that said, no. I also I don't like wine. So I was probably not, not the person like to, to give this to, but I, I had to try it at least once. It tasted like Dimetap and fingernail polish remover. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, yeah. So <sighs> other that's what we were up to this weekend. And actually, there was one more thing. Uh, Saturday morning, <laughs> with two beer releases happening, we had to split efforts, at least from this household. So Saturday, uh, April 1st, around us, we saw... Uh, KBS release in Kentucky. Joke was on me. I couldn't get there in time to get any. That sucks. We got you a bottle though. Yeah, yeah. I don't worry. I, I, I have at least one bottle I can hoard like a crazy miser. <laughs> I don't have the treasure trove I did like last time. Last time would... everything just fell into place and it was perfect, and we were able to hit up multiple locations. And this year. I'm, we might have one more swing, but I've basically got to have people go stand in line for me because I can't actually be in town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I had to send Brittany down to Lexington to go wait in line and get KBS while I went and got in line to get uh, some more of the hip-hop beers. So I wasn't going to miss out on 99 problems, but a beer ain't one. Or... Tricky. I would, say beer, I would say beer is never a problem, but um, Alcoholics Anonymous would disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So yeah, uh, this weekend, April 1st, started the national release for Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. And this is with it now being included in their new Barrel Age series, which has a nice little like gold leaf stamp on the label. <laughs> oh, KBS. I'd planned to open one up today, but... 
I feel like garbage, so uh, I didn't want to put KBS on top of that. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope everyone else has had better luck with uh, obtaining KBS. Hope everyone's able to get it. It, it seems like everyone got, like, uh, the places selling it have all said when I called around, they're like, oh, we got tons more than we've ever had before. It's they still selling out, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're giving larger amounts, is what it seems to be. Actually, no, at uh, Liquor Barn, where Brittany went... I went through three times. There was no limit to go through the line. We'll say that. You have to have, like, a, a special fake mustache. You would think so. But there was like there was a there was a line like technically a line existed, and I, for I after informed. after the people behind us went through that was it there was no one else there. I I, I gave a friend of mine the heads up for it, uh, and that that KBS was releasing it. Like, oh, and he uh, he went to two different liquor barns and ended up with about four bottles of it. Uh, made me laugh because he uh, we were talking about like you just need to go through the same line, just put on a fake mustache and. No, you don't have the fake mustache. You just go through and get to the back of it. Like they don't care as long as you just yeah. go to the back of it. If no one else is there, they're more than willing to sell you the beer. <laughs> they just want it sold. Yeah, <laughs> like I think that's what it comes down to. And while I was waiting in line, uh, chatting some people up, uh, I just got gifted a bottle of last year's KBS randomly. After talking with a guy all morning and drinking, and he just ran to his car and came back, and he's like, here, you can take this one with you. And then he had another one that he opened, and we drank there, and I'm just like, oh, all right. <laughs> uh, I did think up a a thing that a liquor store, let's say, sh I'm going to say should, because I think it's a cool idea, but it, it's a terrible idea, and they should not do this. But... uh I just think like for like a special release like KBS, you know, that, that once a year, everyone's waiting, you know, with bated breath for it. And it happened, you know, it was close to Easter this time or, you know, most times uh, that they should have a special Easter egg hunt with fear. <laughs> they hide bottles throughout yes. the store. And you get a little, you know, create your own six, six pack basket <laughs> and you go throughout the store trying to find some and if you can assemble a whole six or whatever pack you can with the go. awful little plastic grass and the whole like yes. thing to do that yes. no, it, that's amazing yeah <laughs> just saying if i had a liquor store i would do this they should have done that. i could see this happening i feel disappointed <laughs> now somebody make it happen okay um that's what we were up to and we have a few announcements well a couple um our next video show is going to be about Sierra Nevada. We're going to do the Sierra Nevada All IPA Pack. Mm -hmm. And that'll be live streamed on DiamondClub.tv. Uh, this, this, it's a podcast, guys. It's going to be Sunday, April 9th at 6 p.m. I always want to be like, yeah. oh, this next coming Sunday. But I don't know when you're listening to this. Yeah. yeah. But April 9th at 6 p.m. And it's April 10th. Mm -hmm. or sorry. sorry. In the future. Then it'll be on our YouTube this. channel. <laughs> <laughs> it's on our YouTube channel. Yes. You can and still watch it. We invite you to buy a pack and drink along with us, but understand if you can't, because that's a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, we, we are really trying to do the nationally distributed stuff. Uh, unfortunately, on one of our upcoming episodes that we got stuff for today, um, one of them is more... It, it's well distributed, but not all across the country, unfortunately. So it, it's not always easy to do. But if you can find it, 
yeah, go ahead and drink along. And also, we are still trying to figure out exactly what's happening with Nerdtacular. We are going to be there. And if you are in the Salt Lake area or going to be at Snowbird for Nerdtacular, uh, email the show account and ask for that information about what we're going to be up to. And we'll let you know what we know so far, and then we'll make an announcement on here whenever they actually say what the hell's going on with Nerdtacular. So yeah. there's no we nothing about panels, guests, who all's gonna like we have no idea right now. So we can't say, Oh, well, we're gonna do this on this day. All we know for sure right now is we're going to spend Sunday drinking around Salt Lake. So we will yeah. we will come off the mountain and invade Salt Lake. <laughs> and everyone is more than welcome to come with us, get a big marauding band of nerds to come out of the mountain. And the the other uh, no, goal no is- bar will be safe. In and out burger is also the other goal for me. Oh, yeah. Never it, been to one. It, not, exactly. Not excited. It's burgers, it's, it's, it, From what I see of it, it's like, oh, it's just a fast food burger. Yes, it okay. is. But then you, you have to say that you've at least been there, I guess. It's it's a decent fast food burger. I mean, it's on it's on level with like five guys. Yeah, it's oh, good okay. quality is what it is. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Go on. I, I I hear about In and Out. Speaking of, like it's some, you know, like it's a cult, like it's the you, mecca of. Yeah, it's not yeah. that, but it's it's good, and it's you know, it's better than mm. going to like some random place. And you know, the fact that we don't have it here, I think, is the other part of it. Yeah, it's kind of like people go on about. Uh, I never understood why everyone's like, "Oh, White Castle," and it's like we. we we have yeah. Of them. yeah, if you don't have it around you, I can understand. Like, yeah, if when you're somewhere that has it, why not hit it up? <laughs> but when you yeah. live around it, it's like, oh yeah, I haven't eaten there in like two years. It's like, yeah, hmm, I was, just, okay thinking with this, that. I was yeah. just thinking the same thing recently. I was like, when was the last time I went to the? It's still open, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because when you think about going, like if you're driving and you're like, oh, I need to get something to eat, and you see White House, you're like, I don't really feel like getting diarrhea tonight. <laughs> uh. All right, and I think we've uh, moved a few formatting things for the show around, so we are going to go ahead and start doing feedback at the beginning of the show, and we have some. Oh, we got one! Yes, uh, we did not decide who's reading this. <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay, um, hi, Had Crew. I was listening to your latest episode on gin, which happens to be one of my favorite spirits, probably second behind bourbon. For those interested in trying it, I found that Bombay or Bombay Sapphire is on the mild side and less aromatic, making less aromatic, making it more approachable for those who aren't sh- sure about gin. Tanqueray is on the more aromatic side, which tends to put off the the gin non fans. Uh, and as for ethanol, it's not all agricultural. There is petroleum-based non-agricultural versions. But agriculturally derived ethanol is more common, even when used as a gasoline additive. Uh, really enjoying the variety of show topics. Keep up the great work, Brian from Denver. Hey, Brian. Yeah, it was hey. great to hear from you. I uh, can't wait to see you at Nerdtacular as well. He's hit us up and let us know he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the the email. That I was like, yeah, no, Bombay Sapphire or Bombay is and Tangeray are like. Basically, the two names of gin. If you're, hmm. if you're, when in doubt, you can order one of them. 
Right. Everywhere will have them. I always remember the Tanqueray commercials for some reason. Uh, yeah. When was yeah. that ad campaign? It's been yeah, a while. It's, it's been a minute, but for some reason they always stand <laughs> out to me. I'd say it was like five or so years ago. Yeah, or something, more maybe. Something but. like that. All right, well, we're wasting time. Let's go ahead <laughs> get into some news. Okay. I waste what I want, when I want. <laughs> Oscar Blues has introduced a resealable crowler to the entire U.S. Woohoo! Yay. Hooray. Uh, the crowler, a 32-ounce or 25-ounce can filled with fresh craft beer from the draft source. Available in breweries and beer venues across the country, Crowler cans allow beer fans to take draft beer to go. Until recently, Crowler, like their smaller counterpart cans, had to be enjoyed fully when they were opened. The resealable Crowler can is simple to open and reclose with just a quarter turn. It's also, yeah, it also has an easy to pour opening. Thanks to a development from Dayton Systems Group, breweries in all 50 states can now serve... Wait. Do all states allow crawlers? They're... I don't believe... Well... I don't they think they do. To, whether or not they are le- they are physically able to, whether or not they are legally allowed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because Georgia just changed the law. Like, it just happened. And I know they, yeah. there are other states that you can't do um, it in. I don't know about like Utah. That would be one place that I would think. Oh, would, Utah. Yeah, they might not allow it there. <laughs> Tried to get a growler or something that couldn't. Can now serve crawlers using resealable tank. Hmm. Unless this is they. Mm. I think it's physically they'll be able to legally. Yeah, I think Justin's completely right on this. Unless a crawler, because of the packaging, it's not a. Uh, may not be considered a growler, maybe just called a can in the way it's sold. That is true. So, hmm. All right. Interesting. Okay. Okay. uh, What they had to say, we get off on pushing the limits, doing things differently, and the resealable crowler is another step of innovation to take advantage of what the can package has to offer from behind the bar said Jeremy Rudolph, the man behind the Crowler integration at Oscar Blues Brewery. If you didn't know that, it was Oscar Blues who brought us the Crowler and this new resealable Crowler. Uh, See, I, I somehow didn't realize that they were the ones who brought us the Crowler. Yeah, I never knew it either. Uh, I guess I should have because a lot of the initial uh, Crowler cans are just like giant blank Oscar Blues cans. Hmm. Uh, Doug Dozark of Cycle Brewing in St. Petersburg, Florida gets it. Cans are a better package than glass. Yeah, that's everyone's hopping on that craze. Everyone's trying to ditch glass bottles and go to cans because it's cheaper to do, easier to do, more envi- environmentally friendly. It's better for the beer. It's all around a win win. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot less, a lot less, uh, problems you get with, uh, with cans. So the, and, you know, larger, Larger cans to bring more more beer is is good, but just thinking of like you know like the the these cans just look kind of funny with their little caps on them. Yeah, the cans. Um, if you're wondering exactly what they look like, they look like gigantic versions of the big energy drink cans that are resealable, like the big monsters. And they just have that little cap on the top that you just twist off. That is exactly what these are. Yeah, we've. In the homebrew community, uh, we've been making, I guess, our own crawlers for a long time, taking those uh, 
aluminum screw top Miller Lite and Coors Light bottles. Mm, yeah, that, and doing that, the exact that, same thing. That was the kind of like when I said uh, 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 resealable, I was thinking of one of those because it's like, yeah, yeah, that seems seems like what they would just put on there, but they look Which, a little bit different. But to me, if you're going to make it resealable, why even have? <sighs> There's probably some small reason, but why can't you just fill it? from the top and not have to have the little machine that makes it a can right there in front of you. Why can't you just get that top? Yeah. Know, unless that's, that's the reason that it's called a can and not a growler. It's because the, the top's on there and it's sealed. So, you know, when it's been opened the first time. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And I think it's also because the equipment is so expensive. They add that down here near the end. Uh, the all American crowler machine, preset for resealable canning is sold for $4,150 while retrofit kits are available for the original machines. So the new machines to do these, yeah, it's another four grand. (laughs) So I wouldn't expect many places to be adopting this right away, especially since crowlers in general have just caught on. You may see places that don't have a crowler machine yet get this. But I doubt anywhere that already has one is going to fork over for just a newer, fancier one. I know I like the show of getting a crowler filled. Just when it gets in there and they're spinning around, like the foam comes shooting off the top while it's sealing. It's just it's neat to watch. Yeah. All right. The nice, nice little topic here uh, from Brewers Association talking about growth for small and independent brewers. So they put out a nice little infographic to really make this uh, something easy to get through. You don't have to struggle through a giant article. They have just like a short write-up to go with it. Uh, But it's 2016 Small and Independent U.S. Craft Breweries, uh, talking about growth in the beer category. Uh, The volume share for craft brewers last year went up from the year previous. It was 12.2%, and 2016 it jumped up the 0.1% to 12.3%. It doesn't seem like a huge jump, but it's still, you know, forward forward direction. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have the, like, over years past, it's slowed, it looks like, these last three years. But, I mean, from 2011, it was only 5.7. So, I mean, we've cu- it's more than doubled. Yeah, looking at the past years, you can see the significant difference on a lot of these. Mm-hmm. And where it really counts, craft retail dollar value growth. billion. 10% growth over 2015. So that's big numbers. Craft dollar share is 21.9%. That's total U.S. beer market retail dollar value at uh, $107.6 billion. Yeah. 2016, uh, what was that? I was just going to say the next one just showing the... Craft beer volume growth. Oh yeah, six percent, uh, mm-hmm. which is awesome as well. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I nope. want to say no on that end. Really? Yeah, because if you look at the graph right below that, ah, the barrels produced. So look at the growth between 2014 and 2015. You've got about a 30 percent, not 30 percent. You're somewhere around like the the mid teens, probably. I don't know the exact number on there, but you grew by. Um, no, probably close to 10%, because that's yeah. two, two barrels, a little over 2.2 barrels, and the year before you had 22, 
million barrels. So mm-hmm. if you grew by yeah. 2.2 million, then you grew about 10%. The next year, you grew a lot less. So that 6% number, you're 0.3 million over 24.3. Yeah. I mean, you can look it's at... It's 1%, um, 1% growth, 1.2%, maybe, if you look at the barrels produced. I mean, it's not a huge growth factor compared to past years, but it's also... I mean, I guess if you try to stay positive about it, it's like, oh, well, at least they're not going down and... and yeah, it is still growing. It's also not stagnating either. Right. And these are, well, and these are the numbers up to 2016. What, and we, we kind of made some predictions about a year ago that we would see a slowing of the craft beer industry, which you see that for sure. Right. And then, you know, this past year, we made some predictions that um, we're going to definitely be seeing a, uh, we're not definitely, I mean, um, you know, I said we'll probably see a shrinkage on craft brew because we can't see, we can't just maintain the growth that we've had. Yeah, we can't keep infinitely growing the way no. things have been. Just like those from 2009, talking about these like barrels produced, it it's insanity to look at that, how much it's come up. Yeah. And it, you can't sustain that kind of growth. Like the market isn't going to go for it. Like we can't keep drinking that much. Well, I mean, yeah, I, mean in, I can try. In the past four years, you've grown by nearly a thousand breweries per year over the past four years. And, uh, you know, they, they're showing here a 17% increase over 2015. You're up to 5,300 breweries, but you've only grown 1.5%. So you've grown 17% of the number of breweries, but only 1.5% in, in how many barrels they're producing. Right there, that's a, that's a big red flag that your, your breweries that are out there are not selling what they need to to stay afloat. Or if they are, they're not growing the way they need to. They do have down here towards the bottom of the chart uh, the number of openings and closings. Yeah, I was looking at that too. Yeah, and you've got 826 openings and 97 closings. I mean, it's you're seeing a vast difference in those numbers, which is still good. But yeah. I think the closings number is going to start going up every year now. Because it's getting to like make or break point for a lot of these really small breweries. Like you have these micro brew pubs and things like that who are, like we've seen it around here locally. It's, I want to say started, but one brewery has closed up. And that wasn't even because of numbers or anything. It was just they were flat out like, oh, it'd take an investment to really push this place and make it something better. And we want to double down onto liquor. Oh yeah, yeah, they went yeah. liquor side. Yeah. Which they I think they see the writing on the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. Um that's it's kind of like they're looking at it and saying, "Oh, well, liquor's going to be the next thing and and we can't make what we do currently. We can't make what we do with uh with beer with that we could with liquor." Well, and I think when you're doing both, you you do you may have to end up just choosing one too because like they were trying to do both. And the, the company who owned both of those things. And mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, some of the, the other places are almost hitting um, the different beer styles and the aging and everything else even harder. Because they're, 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 they're even more focused on um, kind of the diversity of what they're producing. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to succeed here, I suppose. I do oh. like the one for the, about the jobs, though, at the bottom. Um, I think that's pretty significant. The 5.7% increase in uh, brewery-related jobs. 
Um, so it's employing uh, the number increased from 2015 to 2016 by 5.7%. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. On um, on the number of jobs, you'll see everybody. I mean, you've got 100 brewers out there. I mean, 100 breweries. They each need to hire one brewer at least. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, if you increase by so many brewers or, or so many breweries, each one's going to have to have a brewer a piece. They're going to have to salesperson a piece at least. And so rather than doubling the size of one brewery and you still only have to have one job, if you've got multiple breweries out there, they all have to duplicate some of the, the workforce. Right. So that's a, you know, you'll have more, definitely have more jobs from that. Um, looking at, I'm looking back at some numbers from the Brewers Association right now. And if you look at, so they separate theirs out between microbreweries and brew pubs. Right, right. Um, if you look at microbreweries and brew pubs for the past three years, the number that have opened it has shrunk um, steadily, a uh, difference of about 30 less for each each year, uh, 30 less on the microbrewery side. But the number of closings has been increasing. So last mm-hmm. year in the micro category, there were 38. And in the micro category, there were 52 this year. So you add that to the 44 that you get from uh, brew pubs. And I guess that's their, the combination mm. of the two numbers. But yeah, so we're, I think we're seeing the plateau start. Right. Um, and I think it's healthy for the brewing industry to do that because otherwise you're going to get, well, we've already seen, you're going to get bad beer. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're not going to see much innovation coming if it's just no. with and- so many places opening and if everyone can just keep doing as many IPAs as they can and everyone is just going to be happy with the IPAs forever. Well, we're seeing it again locally here. People are kind of getting sick of just regular West Coast IPAs and that's, I guess, nationally we'll see hazy uh, East Coast IPAs as a thing for a little bit, but everyone's going to have to to diversify exactly you know, what identifies their brewery. So it can't just be like, oh, we're known for our IPAs. It's like, well, everyone has one now yeah. and everyone has an yeah. awesome one. So you're going to have to come up with something. Give us a say song. Give us something. Yep. That, that, and that may, be, that may be what saves the industry um, is a brewing group doesn't say, oh, yeah, we're, we're your, your local microbrewery. We're going to produce IPAs and all these other brews out there, and we're all going to try to do it the best of our ability. You may find that, okay, you, you get into what um, – alchemist is doing and they do two or three beers but they do them really well or you do what uh belgian traditional monk brewers are doing and they do four or five styles or actually really just a few styles that are pretty much the same beer just different you know different sizes of it uh lower abv different different breweries there but um but it may be best if you've got breweries that just do two or three beers, but they do them really well. And so here I am in the state of Kentucky, and we've got 15 breweries that distribute to the entire state, and it's our our group of breweries that I buy from all of them. And just said instead of just saying, "Oh yeah, I, I go to my local um, watering hole yeah. eight miles from the house, and that's their only their only beer that I drink." Yeah. Although I do want to. Part of me is just now thinking, like, what if there's a place like, no, we just do IPAs. You go across, like, go across the street, talk to our friends. We just do stouts. <laughs> that was yeah. sorry, getting weird, but kind of good I, to a point. 
I mean, we're if you if you think about it that way, it it costs a lot more for a brew pub to try to brew multiple types of beer, and then if they were to say, okay, we're going to do two or three types that share the same yeast strain, so we only have to worry about one yeast that share the same grain types, so we can buy them in bulk instead of having to buy them in fifty pound bags. Um, we can save on costs on that end, and we can get really good at making that one type of beer. Yeah, and you're seeing um, a lot of places, this is why you'll get a brewery that does sours, and pretty much only sours or wild yeasts, because of contamination issues. If you want to make those kinds of beers, it is very costly, and it's me, a lot of work. You shouldn't, you tell me you shouldn't age your sour beers and your... Uh... Uh, not sour beers in in the same building when you're making them. Shouldn't when you're making them, you probably <laughs> not. Yeah, you know, no, at least in the same like, room. You you telling me you shouldn't be like making uh some sort of sa- you know sister themed sour beers <laughs> and Russian imperial. I mean, yeah, in the same place that you have a uh, big imperial bourbon barrel. Yeah, <laughs> stouts aging. Hmm. Po- possibly, uh, I think uh, Goose may have come across that issue. <laughs> and nice segue there because our next story uh company that owns goose island abm bev well budweiser i believe is more specific to this story uh budweiser is trying to solve global warming or this is how budweiser is trying to solve global warming is the title global of wabu guabu wabu i don't like the title for the article but the story goes as this Hot weather may make you thirst for a cold one, but the world's biggest brewer wants to do its part to keep the planet from getting any warmer. Anheuser-Busch, Imbev, really? They, okay. Will source 100% of its electricity from... Well, from what we, we looked at the... Oh, I can't remember which episode it was, but we looked at um, the chart on the website, so you can go to haveadrinkshow.com and look at the, the chart, but it shows that... Um, that listing out of where all the breweries came from and how they got their names. And I did not realize this at first until I was actually listening through that episode after the fact. AB InBev, the AB and AB InBev came from Antarctic and Brahma, not from oh. uh, Anheuser-Busch. It got replaced. Okay. Which was, which was AmBev, um, yeah, and then it got to InBev, which was Interbrew and AmBev together. Yeah, and then you've got AB InBev. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, what th- those two merged and they became InBev, and then Anheuser Busch merged with them, and they're like, "No, we're putting right. our AB in front of this." Right, Anheuser Busch. So um, the AB could have been uh, Antarctica and Brahma. Yeah, Very true. Had, hmm. had things gone a different way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh well, sorry. <laughs> No, uh, they're looking to source 100% of their electricity from uh, renewable sources by 2025, the company announced in a statement on Tuesday. Uh, The company has been busy eight years ahead of it to complete its goal. Transition will shift six terawatt hours of electricity away from fossil fuels, nearly the same amount of energy the entire country of Spain uses in a month. (laughs) What a comparison. ABM Bev plans to generate 15 to 25% of its power on its own from solar panels. Uh, the remaining 75 to 85% will be sourced by wind and solar farms. It's enough to make ABM Bev the largest corporate direct purchaser of renewable electricity in the global consumer goods sector. 
according to them. <laughs> that's it's a really uh, easy to say title. Yeah. The energy shift comes for, comes at a time when some countries are reconsidering uh, climate accords. The U.S. is no longer expected to hit the climate goals set by the 2015 Paris Climate Conference, a conference that ABMBEV specifically references in the opening paragraph of its pe- press release. This re- the re- oh my god I can't talk. <laughs> The release states that the company's energy goals will support efforts to achieve climate targets under the 2015 Paris Climate Conference agreements. So it seems like after recent political things in the U.S., the company is taking it on themselves to try and, like, against the wishes, it seems, well, of... AB a- InBev's headquarters, the whole company, is not in the U.S. Yes. So... Maybe they maybe they still have to follow that because they're in a different country that and so they're doing it for all of their business though because it's well and you know as far as global warming denying goes it's not not strictly an American pastime but you know we have <laughs> a pretty good uh, I feel like we have a pretty good this is where the big behind that this is where the big leagues come when you're denying. <laughs> Yeah, so I think if you're an international company with international folks that aren't uh, global warming warming deniers, then this may be on your radar, even if you're not thinking about, I have to do this politically or I have to do this. Just because I want to be socially conscious, I'm going to do this. Right. Or at least appear socially conscious, which is almost as as important as actually being. Sure. I mean, it's still accomplishing good goals, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, end determines the means i guess or justify the means yeah even if it's just a uh hey look how good we are situation still good on them you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. right spain spain gets free power for a month is what i got out of this (laughs) no i I don't (laughs) think that no i don't think that's how that works at all it could also be almost a pr stunt and they're like on the side like we start producing a quarter of our own power and that's very cost effective for us Mm mm-hmm and then it looks really good for stories like this, and suddenly you start looking at the company a lot different. Yeah, they well, s- they seem a lot less evil empire. Yeah, well, and and, and no matter what, for if all of those things are a factor, overall the story's winning. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the rest of the article just starts talking about uh, <laughs> global warming and climate change, and that's that's not our topic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, just just as one kind of final, I guess, closing in that closing statement there, um, the CEO Carlos Brito does say cutting back on fossil fuels is good for the environment and good for business. Um, hmm. That means that he understands the price of fossil fuels is going to continue to increase while the price of solar or wind is decreasing. To, yeah. So and and as such, he will be generating power for Spain. <laughs> Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we finally ended up with some new badges on Untapped. Oh. oh man, real quick. I did I did catch up and watch that whole Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. Is it still up premiere? No, I took it down. No. Uh yeah, but you can find it places. Right, right. It happened to fall uh, off the back places. of a digital truck. Yeah, I didn't it didn't stay there. I just watched it through someone else's window. The digital box right, fell right. off of a truck and is laying on the side of the road open. If you just happen to be walking by, you can look down 
and it maybe see uh, what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's so good. I I missed Rick and Morty. <laughs> All right. Um, first off, uh, badge kind of kind of starting summer, really. I guess it is Oberon season. Uh, Casey. <laughs> This is why we did not give this one to Casey. Check out now. <laughs> um, so get ready for another great Oberon summer with Bells, uh, the yearly release of Oberon Ale. Brewed with the signature house ale yeast, hops, water, malt, and without the use of any spices, this seasonal delight is the color and scent of a sunny afternoon. Uh, welcome the warm months of summer with Oberon, and you'll be rewarded with a new badge. Check into uh, Oberon Ale from bells between march 27th which has already passed and april 3rd which is tomorrow tomorrow oh wow <laughs> so no you can't get it <laughs> so, glad i already got that one did not realize uh, the quick turnaround on that it's like a did week Casey find the oberon that i stashed in his car yeah uh, about that <laughs> <laughs> untapped even knows your hatred oh my god <laughs> you have to say that it does so I texted. You texted all of us. Yeah. So I texted you all and asked if any of you had, by chance, went to my untapped account and put Oberon as a favorite for me. <laughs> nope. No. Because for some reason, my untapped kept dinging my iPhone and, and letting me know where there were local places that I could get Bell's Oberon. And this is the only time I've ever seen this done. So I would go into um, my, my iPhone would ding, and I would get this uh, notification that Bell's Oberon's nearby. And for some reason, it only did it with Bell's Oberon. It looked like it had favorited it, and this happened like 10 times. And it didn't even have to be like nearby. It would just say, oh, somebody's tapped Bell's Oberon in Georgia, or somebody's <laughs> done it in California. Like, it wasn't even local to me. So I was a really... It was the, I was a little PO'd. Uh, first <laughs> off, if Untapped has bought or been bought by Bells to do these little <laughs> promotional things, that that I don't think, I don't think Bells bought the entire. App. Not no uh, no, but I mean, if they bought like a uh, oh, uh, we'll pay you so many thousand dollars if you'll tell people where Untapped or where Bells Oberon is nearby. Um, that's that's a little too much, especially when it's a brewery that I absolutely despise. And two, this point, I think he hates them just because he hates them. He's do, he's lost sight. He's lost sight of the reason. I don't anymore. remember why. It just is. <laughs> and, um, and then and he, two, he completely has blacked out the time we were in Kalamazoo and he was drinking at Bell's, telling me how great they were. That was proud of him. So and two with Bell's doing this, I would assume that other breweries could start to do this. And I really don't want Budweiser dinging on my phone and saying, hey, the latest Bud Light's just tapped next door if you want to go grab one. See, I'm not um, getting... I'm not getting any of that. I never got a single notification. From yeah, that. I didn't get anything. I saw, like, uh, the show Twitter account, since we follow so many breweries and bottle shops and things like that, they're like, it's over in day! Come and get it! Like, there was a 24-hour yeah. period when the Twitter account just exploded about over and, and then after that it was gone. Yeah, this was about like I don't know a week, less than a week, maybe five days. Where every day I would get like two or three messages saying, "Hey, Bell's Oberon's nearby," and you know it wasn't, and I didn't care in the first place. But the <laughs> fact that it was Bell's was the one that really twisted my nips. <laughs> so, you know. Okay, rant over. Yeah, so you can't get this badge. Um, 
Hope you get, hope you had good luck getting it. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, you can become a voodoo ranger. Uh, there's a new ranger taking up watch at New Belgium this year, bursting with tropical aromas, juicy fruit flavors. New Belgium's new voodoo ranger IPA featuring mosaic and amarillo hops giving a perfectly bitter yet refreshing sublime finish part way through there i just kept going more and more into movie announcer voice yeah and i couldn't i got started i was like eh we're going for it i was debating on what you're gonna do because you're also doing the power rangers theme song before that (laughs) go voodoo ranger (laughs) i i would have until i started reading the entries like this just sounds like a like a movie intro almost yeah that's true Uh, Starring Mosaic <laughs> and Amarillo Hops. Uh, check out into the latest edition of uh, New Belgium's uh, year-round lineup, and you can unlock a brand new badge. Check into one New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA between March 16th, so a little ways back, and April 16th. Uh, this one actually gives you time. You have a little bit of time still. So, yeah, uh, they and- when they started this badge, it was... Uh, the date they give, we had a Voodoo Ranger around then. I think it was just after. February 27th was when the episode went up for um, our video episode, and it's a Voodoo Ranger IPA. I'm trying to figure out which flavor it is. Right, because there's a few now. Yeah. It was from the Spring it, It's pack. just the IPA because there's the 8-hop, and then there's the Imperial, and then just the IPA. And the badge yep. is just for the IPA. I'm just looking to see which, if that was, because that Voodoo Ranger IPA is in that variety pack. Um, oh, I'm just wondering if we actually already had it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know I I went and got another one just to get the badge, but it also had, we bought a single of each of them when we found them, because yeah. I had to try them all. And it was, I like it. It's really good. Uh, yeah. It's a great beer. Great IPA. It was yeah. uh, they. I just thought this was weird because March sixteenth. It was almost a week after that that they finally announced and posted about the badge. Yeah. And I don't think the badge was live for that previous time, so they're giving that date. And I'm like, I don't think it was actually up then, but whatever. But I mean, it's worth it. Yeah. So I'm double checking. It is um, the one that's in the folly pack. So I mean. If you if you guys haven't gotten to check that out, we did the video episode tasting through the this 2017 Spring New Belgium Folly Pack, and uh, which is the one with the signature was it cherry almond yeah. ale, and, and yeah. um, that Voodoo Ranger IPA is in there. So if you wanted to get, grab that pack, we did recommend um, that pack highly to go ahead and grab that because it was everything in there was good. And um, I, I, you know, I had a hard time trying to find our have a drink um, show on Twitter. I mean, on the YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. But the easiest way to do it is just go to haveadrinkshow.com, scroll to the bottom, and then click on the little YouTube link, and it'll get you right there. Right. That's just the easiest way to get you there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It it has to get traffic before it's visible, which is kind of right. dumb. <laughs> and there's and uh there's a ACDC song called "Have a Drink on Me," and right. that's oh, what. Yeah, yeah you get a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, have a drink on them. Uh, <laughs> all right, what's the next right. badge? Or no, the, the next one was the Brewery Madness thing. Never mind. Yep, yep, so we're pulling up on the national quarterfinals or have just taken place, and we're getting ready to head into the national semifinals. Of... Technically, the semifinals are over, but they're still tabulating the numbers. Yeah. That's true, yes. 
So of those that went through, let's just go to the quarterfinals and go from there. So Stone Brewing and Boston Beer Company came in to uh, the national quarterfinals. Uh, the out of those two, Stone won wholeheartedly, doubling <laughs> they, Boston Beer score. Yeah, yeah, double the check-ins. Like they blew them out of the water. Yeah, and like compared to like their check-ins the previous previous week, I'm just like what. Or previous couple of days, it's like, what happened? Stone yeah. saw a huge influx. Like, I'm wondering what the F is going on. But then again, that's also the time when we got, um, we did our episode on the Stone pack as well. So, mm-hmm. and that pack just we became did all available. all those check-ins ourselves. Yes, that was just us. But no, that they went from uh, the previous round, Stone was at 3,400-some check-ins to over 8,000. Well, yeah. The, so how how long ago? Like that was so just a, I, just a, just now came out, right? Like that that stone that particular IPA pack. It's the new one. It's been on shelves less than a month. Yeah. So I here's here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say. This is what happened. It may or may not be the case, but they this round three and then the quarterfinals are happening um, two days and then two days. And so the first two days are a fr- uh, Thursday and Friday. The second is a Saturday and Sunday. But if they cut it off that the Friday ends at midnight, then you have everything after 12 o'clock midnight mm. on to 12 o'clock midnight uh, yeah. the, for the Sunday. And so that's like prime drinking time. So even Boston Beer Company went from 2,100 to 4,400. Yeah, you're right. There's a similar jump for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, on down, uh, the... The other, the group that will be going against Stone Brewing, um, or is going against Stone Brewing, is the winner out of Founders and Ballast Point, and Founders won that one. So. Yeah, go ahead and guess what's uh, aided that. <laughs> yeah, we got a big, uh, big week there. Um, let's see, where is the Founders? Let me see if I can find the Founders number. So Founders went from twenty three hundred to fifty two hundred, which is a little bit more than than a doubling, like you see with the others. So yeah. there's probably a KBS release there somewhere. Right. Uh, actually, yeah, April first KBS release. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking through some of this just to see, you know, who got into the, into the quarterfinals. And so like, you've got like, we were right. Guinness, uh, Guinness held on for a while. Just barely though. Yeah. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. They, they skated through on St. Patrick's on day for St. a while. Patrick's day period. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's them in New Belgium is New Belgium. Yeah. The, the other matchups that were going on, uh, you had new, new Belgium Guinness and <gasps> Sierra Nevada and Lagunitas. Oh, and that was tight. <laughs> did we, we didn't, we didn't have the Guinness numbers last time. No, did we? we didn't have, no. we didn't have the number. Uh, we had like that, that, that St. Patrick's day numbers. Did we, do we have yeah. round two complete? I, I think they were still finalizing because I mean, it was like two weeks ago. I think they were too because I'm looking at the number right the now number and I would have... 30,000 30, Guinness check-ins. Yeah. <laughs> that then goes to 2,000. Yeah. Goose Island gave Guinness a run for their money. The only reason Guinness had that many check-ins going into the next one is because people had Guinness left over left in their over. fridge. Because yeah. Guinness did an 18 pack instead of a 12 pack. <laughs> that is the only, that's the only reason. Because yeah, Goose Island went with so they were 2000 and Guinness, uh, 2025 and Guinness was 2083. So it was very close. Yeah, if you got to you got to think about the last. So we did this like two weeks ago. That was St. Patrick's Day weekend. They didn't have all those numbers in yet. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's They just showed they had one, but they didn't have... Yeah, not the yeah, real, you know... 30,000. That's insanity. God, I, I feel like if you add up all of the other check-ins in here right now, I don't know if you get... You know, from like the... From round two and three, I don't think you get... Yeah. Uh, you you get come close the, to 30,000 just with everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Man, you might you ever wonder if like Guinness is like it's St. Patrick's Day? They're like, oh, thank God, we were we were running low, like we weren't p- pulling a profit yet, but it's St. Patrick's Day. We're gonna be just fine, boys. It's yeah. their Black Friday. Yeah, basically. Um, Bells got uh, knocked out by. Oh no, did they? They yeah, got knocked out knocked by out. Ballast Point. Yeah, Bells got knocked out by Ballast Point. Um, which went again went up against Founders and and then Founders won wholeheartedly there. Then on the other side of the bracket, you've got um, Guinness and New Belgium that went through. New Belgium thankfully beat out Guinness, um, and then the Sierra Nevada Lagunitas matchup brought through Lagunitas by really by less than a hundred votes or less uh, than a hundred. Let's, let's also point out how far Anheuser Busch got into this, and then I. I Somebody may have gotten word that AB and Bed was going, and and because their Cause, theirs went from three thousand two hundred to eighty eight hundred eighty four. Well, theirs yeah. also could have been the from St. Patrick's Day because they, they sponsor so, in the states tons of parties. It's like oh, sponsored by Bud Light, where they just dye you know a few yeah, kegs green of Bud Light. Yeah, Budweiser is is just about. The highest on the list, other than New Belgium, Goose Island, and of course Guinness for that weekend. So um, uh, they had a really good run. Yeah, but yeah. So New Belgium and Lagunitas are going up against each other uh, from March 31st to April 1st, and so we'll see between Stone Brewing and Founders and New Belgium and Lagunitas who's going to come out at the head and uh, what the championship will hold for today and tomorrow. Yeah, I would say Founders and Stone, even though you have KBS right now, Stone is still, I think, going to power over it with check-ins. Yep. Uh, um, maybe. I mean, like, if we're just going by, like, their quarterfinal numbers. Yeah. Uh, KBS, uh, Stone has 8,000 check-ins, and Founders only has five. Yeah, those the, gonna, I don't think Founders stone. will see the boost that like KBS won't give it the boost to get in. Of course, I could eat my words when we finally see these numbers. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, Chris, on that one. I think Stone's going to come out number one at the end of this. Stone's going to have first place. Then we're going to have New, Belg- uh, New Belgium probably second, followed by a toss-up between Founders and... Um, it'll be Founders and uh, Lagunitas, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that seems... To me, that seems about right there. Although I'd love to see Founders push it all the way maybe i could be wrong in this massive amount of kbs that's going to be hitting the market and everyone's going to be checking in like crazy to it right no that's not how you enjoy kbs you take your large collection put it on your bed and then sleep on it like a dragon hoarding its gold <laughs> or you pack it up tight and put it in the closet <laughs> no, that's... and don't drink it at all <laughs> so yeah those are that's what the bracket's looking like i Still next year, I want to remember and us actually do uh, do our own brackets. I think that would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. the The only thing is, like, uh, it's it's just, it's comical how much they beat them in that first round with the, some of those matchups. Oh you yeah. Know, like, 
you know, Stone versus Surly. <laughs> Poor yeah. bastards never stood a chance. Yeah, there's some of these breweries right. you're just like, even though they're so highly regarded, they're just not making that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, just if we had drank that clown shoe clown shoes beer this past weekend, we could have made up two percent of the entire number of check-ins just with the it, one bottle everybody taking a drink of it and then yeah and passing it around and, and we could have made up two percent probably of their entire check-in amount <laughs> from round one so yeah. there's some really small breweries out there yeah and i would like if you saw something uh the cigar city festival if that were to take place during this time you would see cigar city go a lot further into the brackets yeah mm-hmm Especially that weekend, they would just probably explode almost into the hundreds of thousands of check-ins. Yeah, Guinness always has a boost during March, so just because <laughs> of, of St. Patrick's Day and March Madness, they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah. 30,668 <laughs> check-ins is a... Yeah. <sighs> kind of unreal. insanity. Yeah, and let's just remember, too, that's just people checking in. A lot of people are drinking Guinness without using the app. Right. Exactly. Actually, most people. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, we've gone on uh, with that, I think, a little too long. So let's move in to our topic. We have a topic? We do. Not anymore, we aren't. <laughs> All right. I will. I'll, even though we're on topic, let me let me throw this out there as the final. We can cut this later. Uh, if you want to, how many pints of Guinness will be consumed or were consumed on March seventeenth, St. Patrick's Day? Just a ballpark guess. Oh dear, I was bad at these. How many? One, you say gallons? How Liters? many pints? Pints. 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 Lots. <sighs> Lots. And uh, you think that there were thirty, about thirty thousand check-ins over two I days? I want to go with. I want to go with uh, uh, three million. Chris, I'm going to say like three. No, it's in the millions. That's definite. I'll say that it's more like fifteen to twenty. And Brittany, uh, ten million. All right, I think Brittany wins. It's uh, thirteen million. Oh, closest without going over. It's like one dollar. Thirteen million pints. Jesus, that's nice. That's a lot of drinking. Oh God. Alrighty. (laughs) So. We are talking about bitter ales, bitter beers, a distinctly British sort of thing from my perspective. Uh, Brewers have only been using hops for about a thousand years, and uh, in Britain since the 16th century, uh, London water was not particularly suited to hoppy beers anyhow, but darker Swedish ales instead with few... Uh, within a few decades, though, hopped beers made converts of English brewers. Uh, near, nearby Kent became England's premier hop-growing region in short order. Uh, how then are hops germane to the lineage of bitters? The name denotes uh, a reliance on hops, but it's more of an issue of comparison as bitter and pale ale evolved uh, as an alternative to the under-hopped status quo. Even so, it'd be nearly 300 years before bitter become hand, the hands-down favorite among Brits, uh, as a result of modern uh, grassroots pungency spun from a longing for traditional ale. So, so that 
Kent is- in England is where you get the East Kent Goldings hop. Mm. Oh, okay. That's the that's the EKG is the shortened how normally you'll see it, but yeah. I just thought some of these some of these beers were hopped with uh, machines that we uh, check check heart <laughs> vitals on. Uh, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Pale beer uh, pale beers were not possible until Coke was invented in 1669. That's that's not right. Coke didn't come <laughs> around to like the late 19th late 19th century, early 20th century. They're they are completely. Oh, we're not talking about the drink, are we? All right. Well, until then, wooden straw were primarily used to dry green malt, uh, but they were excessively smoky. Coke, coal without its noxious compounds, was cleaner and easily tempered. Uh, Quite expensive, Coke-fired pale malt was reserved for the affluent tipple. I don't know what a tipple is. This is British's crap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And used mostly well-hopped stock. Uh, stock beers left to age for a year or more. These stocked beers were sent uh, sent to servants uh, servants and military in India. Uh, the most savvy explorer being George Hodgson of London. By the early, hmm? I heard a guess. Just just <laughs> as a way to um, kind of put tipple into context. Oh, please. Uh, the verb tipple is to drink liquor, especially by habit or to excess. <laughs> so well, I'm assuming a person who is a tipple, the most affluent drunks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, used in a sentence, I do tipple now and then. Nah. Indeed, that is a factual statement for all of us. Hey, we are learning more about, about English stuff now. <laughs> there we go. Maybe you have to be tipple to understand cricket. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, by the early 19th century, uh, competing brewers of Burton upon Trent uh, in the Midland uh, in the Midlands were getting busy making similar pale ales. Uh, Burton water was rich in calcium sulfate, and its effect on hoppy pale ales was astonishing. It gave a clean, fully hopped character and a light, clean, uh, light clear complexion, and served as yeast nu- nutrient, ensuring swift full attenuation the broaden uh this broadened the sensory gulf between brown and pale ale and uh made those of burton superior to those of greater london competition flourished commercial railways were built and the brewing efficiency of pale malts were shown to be cost effective adding more to its growing popularity brits though still overwhelmingly preferred mass-produced financially connected and publican dominated dark brew porter uh, slowly, however, pale beers began. Uh, uh, pale beers gained ground on Porter, a trend that would continue for another 150 years. Hmm. Uh, the term bitter, bitter ale, bitter ale, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the term bitter ale was created to distinguish them from from lightly hopped mild ales, which were served uh, relatively young and the only alternative to Porter and stouts in the mid 19th century. Bitter ale helped introduce the uh, aromatizing, I guess. Would, sure. Yeah. Really a word, but okay. Aromatizing of beer uh, as portion of hops were added late into the boil. Uh, sometimes unknown to porter and stout, this attention to aromatic qualities may have inadvertently encouraged hop farmers uh, of England to concentrate 
even more on this aspect of their blossoming industry. Brewers soon began making variations of bitters, and usually as a function of its strength. The India Pale Ale as the strongest and kept for long periods of time prior to serving, while bitter ale was lighter and served uh, served much less aged. By the end of the 19th century, many brewers were making assorted bitters and milds with the IPA fading away. Even Porter, uh, the elephant in the room for over a century, had given way to mild, now the most popular pub ale. And that's a that's just a travesty. The porters were just discarded in such a fashion. Indeed. Mm. I mean, I would I enjoy porters, but I see the mass number of people going. Oh, I need something a little bit less. It's the dinner like beer soup. problem. Yeah. Uh, we know from our porter, or it was the porter episode. Yeah. It was there was a porter episode. Yeah. So we know from the porter and stout episode that you know porter was supposedly something that was really heavy at the time, so the porters could keep working and get, keep going throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So you want something a little bit lighter, you want something that's more of a more, less feeling ale, then uh, this would be a good direction to go, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so the style specifically that we're going to be talking about, um, the bitters, this is in the BJCP. So the, um, uh, yeah. Beer Joe's certification program. I like blacked out on that. Um, so, uh, then that's the, uh, the 2015, obviously they haven't updated that yet, but, um, well, they we... did update it, but I think everyone was kind of upset, right? And that how it went, Casey? Like no, people... 25, they, they update about every, uh, four years to oh, four years. Really like the, that, that year, but they're not updating it ever again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, that, so that, that is on the website and there's also some handy apps if you want to download that to have, um, handy, just out and about it's really interesting to look some of the stuff up like that um this is category 11 uh british bitters so the family of british bitters grew out of english pale ales as a draft product in the late 1800s the use of crystal malts in bitters became more widespread after world war one traditionally served very fresh under no pressure uh, gravity or hand pump only at cellar temperatures most bottled or kegged versions of UK-produced bitters are often higher alcohol and more highly carbonated versions of cask products uh, produced for export and have a different character and balance than their draft counterparts in Britain, uh, often being sweeter and less hoppy than the cask versions. These guidelines reflect the real ale, in quotes, version of the style, not the export formulations of commercial products. Several regional variations of bitters exist, ranging from darker, sweeter versions served with nearly no head to brighter, hoppier, pale versions with large foam stands and everything in between. Uh, we probably at some point need to get an episode about the Real L Coalition or Real L um, Brewing. Yeah, um, this, this sounds... <laughs> this sounds like really dangerous ground right now. It's a It's a British movement or english maybe uh, british for sure saying movements that start talking about the real version of something (laughs) awfully rally friendly if you know what i'm saying do come in and try to encourage strongly uh places that serve beer to serve real l and real l is a uh basically it you so anything that you get off of a beer engine or one of the pumps um, it's probably going to be real ale. It's something that is not carbonated by 
by putting CO2 on it. It's it's just you're actually pumping it directly from the cask into a, a glass. Um, and there's some other, I think there's some other criteria that has to do with real ale, but it's a really interesting movement. Um, and a lot of brewers and traditional English brewers are coming on board with that. Hmm. If you have a pub or the pub, whatever, the, the restaurant, the chain, um, a lot of those will have a, a beer engine where you can go and get, sometimes it's real ale, sometimes it's um, ale that's similar and you can um, kind of get a good idea of what cask ale is tastes like or at least um, an ale that's not carbonated or on the beer engine. Yeah, uh, there's a nice little aside where um, where I've got the history bit of this about uh, it's Camera, C-A-M-R-A, the campaign the yeah, for real ale uh, formed in 1971. Potent consumer group initially formed to restore the British tradition of providing real ale to consumers rather than the fizzy and flavorless renditions that were overwhelming the market. So, yeah, they've got their um, their idea, like just like with craft brewers, we want a lot of flavored beer. Uh, well, not flavored beer, but flavorful beer. Yeah. Um, their idea is that part of that should also be the fact that you don't over carbonate. I guess that's kind of fair. I mean, I can understand their point. Yeah, it's something to uh, do a debate episode. Have the two sides. Yeah, I understand it, but the phrase "movement" just makes me nervous. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Just wondering what, like, I was like, I'm waiting for that the other shoe to drop where it's revealed that. You know, oh yeah. They also hate anyone that's not white. <laughs> <laughs> right. You kind of wait on that. Okay. Tangent over. <laughs> Um, but no, we, do, we definitely should cover that at some point, because um, I had never honestly heard this, this before. Um, so uh, so this is in regard to the BJCP, so it's, it's also saying regarding this uh, category, judges um, shouldn't overemphasize the caramel component of the style. Uh, exported bitters can be oxidized, which increases the caramel-like flavors in addition to the more negative flavors. Um, so don't assume the oxidation-derived flavors are traditional or required for the style. Um, so there's three subcategories for this uh, category 11. Um, so we're going to start with 11A, which is ordinary bitter. The overall impression for this one is uh, low gravity, low alcohol levels, low carbonation, easy drinking session beer. Uh, malt profile can be can vary in flavor and intensity, but should never override the overall bitter impression. Drinkability is a critical component of the style. And the aroma is a low to moderate malt aroma, um, often but not always, with a kind of light caramel quality. It's also bready, biscuity, or lightly toasty malt. Um, in, it's pretty common. Mild to moderate fruitiness. And then the hop aroma can range from moderate to none, uh, generally with a floral, earthy, resiny, or uh, fruity character. And there's uh, no diacetyl, which is the, the buttery flavor. Um, very low levels are allowed in this, actually. Then on the appearance, you're going to get a pale amber to a light copper color. Um, good to brilliant clarity and low to moderate white to off-white head. Um, and, and it's very little head due to low carbonation. So um, the flavor, you're going to get moderate or medium to moderate high bitterness so um kind of low in the fruit and the esters um moderate to low hop flavor 
and you get some earthy, resiny, fruity, or floral character to that. Uh, low to medium maltiness. Um, you're going to get a dry finish from these with um, the malt profile typically being bready, biscuity, or lightly toasted. Uh, the low to moderate caramel or toffee flavors. Um, those are optional though, so not common. The balance is very bitter, although the bitterness should not completely overpower the malt flavor um, or the esters or hop flavor. And of course, no diacetyl in the flavor either. The mouthfeel is light to medium uh, light body, low carbonation, and um, you can get a moderate combination though on the bottle examples. And then the characteristic ingredients, you've got pale ale, uh, amber, and or crystal malts. Uh, could use a touch of dark malt just for the color. And then the sugar adjuncts of corn um, or wheat. And then English finishing hops are most traditional, but any hops are actually fair game. If American hops are used, uh, a light touch is required. And then character characterful British yeast. Um, so the style comparison on this one is uh, some modern variants are brewed exclusively with pale malt and are known as golden ales, summer ales, or golden bitters. Emphasis is on the bittering hop addition as opposed to the aggressive middle and late hopping seen in American ales. So you've got a 25 to 35 IBUs, not, um, well, it's kind of middle of the road, I guess. Um, ABV 3.2. No who lord. Yeah. No, no, no who lord. Uh, 3.2 to 3.8%. So really low on the, on the alcohol there. And then, um, so it's got some, some good examples here. I've actually never heard of like any of these. Um, Adnan's South World Bitter, Brains Bitter, Fuller's Chris, or Chiswick Bitter, Green King IPA, Tetley's Original Bitter, and Young's Bitter. Heard of Young's. I've heard of Young's yeah. as a brand, but yeah, I've never heard of otherwise any of these. So you said the character... I heard I heard brains better like nah, brains. <laughs> you yeah. say characterful British yeast, and I'm just picturing a pile of yeast with a bowler hat and bad teeth. Yeah, <laughs> going hello, governor. Hello, governor. <laughs> okay, uh, category eleven B is the best bitter. Overall impression is a flavorful yet refreshing session beer. Some examples can be more malt balanced. So why, why is this category not A? If it's, if the, it's best. the best bitter, yeah. <laughs> awful name. I, I think they have went in category of of strength. Hmm. All right, I'm just saying. Like it says, best bitter, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> clearly right. not. <laughs> clearly, this one's the best. Why? I think ordinary bitter is the You'll see this in a lot of um, styles that are European. They'll have a couple different categories. You see it in Scottish ales, um, like the Shillings ales. Uh, but in this one, you'll have like a low, a medium, and a high. And usually in tradition, one brewery may make the three different styles. And you could go in and, and you've got three choices of beer. You've got a light version, a medium version, and a, and a very heavy version. And you can go Order strong or best. Yes. All right, uh, this should not override the overall bitter impression, referring to the malt balance. Uh, drinkability is a critical component of the style. Anything that's best, I would I would say drinkability is kind of what you should be looking at. I feel like <laughs> drinkability should always be yeah. a critical component of any style. Yeah. 
Uh, your aroma is going to be low to moderate malt aroma. Often, just saying, a whole br- a whole brick that is basically just frozen beer, not very drinkable. Going to no. be judged poorly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, often, but not always, with a low to medium, low caramel quality. It's going to have that bready biscuit or light toasty malt complexity. Uh, mild to moderate fruitiness. Hop aroma can range from moderate to none. Typically with a floral, earthy, resiny, and or fruity character. Generally no diacetyl. I'm, I'm going to assume no diacetyl in all these. Yeah. <laughs> You're, at least you shouldn't. No better. Uh, although very low levels are allowed. Appearance is going to be pale amber to medium copper color. Uh, you're going to have a good to brilliant clarity, low to moderate, off-white head, uh, may have very little head due to the low carbonation. Now, flavor, medium to moderately high bitterness. Hmm. <laughs> moderately low to moderately high fruity esters, moderate to low hop flavor, typically with an earthy, resiny, fruity, and or floral character. That, that kind of runs the gamut there. I mean, <laughs> when you're like... Oh, you should find anything that you could say comes from a hop. That's kind of... Well, there's some that are yeah, earthy, <laughs> resin, so no spicy flavors are in there. And no, uh, with resinous, you can get some resinous with the dankness. But yeah, no piney. That's another one. No, yeah, yeah, uh, no piney. No citrus. Fruity and citrus are different, even though citrus is a fruit. Fruity and citrus <laughs> are different. Um, so yeah, those are the ones that aren't listed there. Low to medium maltiness uh, with a dry finish. The malt profile is typically bready, biscuity, or lightly toasty. Low to moderate caramel or toffee flavors are optional. Balance is often decidedly bitter. Duh. (laughs) Although the bitterness should not completely overpower the malt flavor, esters, and hop flavor. Generally no diacetyl, although very low levels are allowed. Your mouthfeel... Medium light to medium body, uh, low carbonation, although bottled examples can have moderate carbonation and probably will. Uh, Your style comparison, more alcohol than an ordinary bitter and often using higher quality ingredients. Less alcohol than a strong bitter, uh, more caramel or base malt character and color than a British golden ale. Emphasis is on the bittering hop edition as opposed to the aggressive middle and late hopping as seen in american ales i've used there's of course they're using higher quality ingredients it's the best bitter exactly i mean that should say it all but your ibus on this uh it's not straying very far from the last uh, 25 to 40 so it is on the low pushing up to mid-range your abv is going to be 3.8 4.6 it's Pushing up, but still, that's that's low ABVs and very sessionable. Uh, commercial examples of this one are Adnams, SSB. Uh, Fuller's London Pride, that's one I've heard of. Yeah. Uh, Harvey's Sussex Best Bitter. Shepherd name Master Brew Kentish Ale. <laughs> no, that was one name. That was that, not... Yeah, that wasn't me like stumbling over something. That's Shepherd... Neem Master Brew Kentish Ale. Yeah. <sighs> Timothy Taylor Landlord. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just somebody's title. <laughs> Timothy Taylor Landlord. Yeah. <laughs> My landlord gave me his business card. What are we naming this beer? I don't know. <laughs> and Young's they just, special. They, they, get, there was a mix-up when they went to the printer. And <laughs> the, the head brewer had just become a landlord, and so he... 
send off the wrong card. And so he came back with, like, oh, what are we calling this beer? Oh, apparently <laughs> Tim- Timothy Taylor, landlord. Tim's Not paying the fees Taylor. to reprint this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And then, of course, your last one there, Chris. Young mm. special. Oh, yeah, young special. <laughs> Especially since there was uh, the Young's Bitter earlier. So the Young special is the, the best bitter yes. version. So, yeah, we've had the ordinary, then the best, and now there's the strong. Now it's time bitter. for the rest. <laughs> so the overall impression is sort of an average strength to moderately strong British bitter L. And it, bitter to this category is not what we think of as IPA bitter. It's right. like your your standard bitter here is a moderately bitter ale. Um, the balance may be fairly even between malt and hops to somewhat bitter. Drinkability is a critical component of the style, a rather broad style that allows for considerable interpretation by the brewer. So you've got the ordinary bitter that's kind of like a watered-down version. You've got the... <laughs> The best bitter that's like, okay, this is a good, flavorful beer. It's and the best. And then you've got the strong bitter category that's kind of like, we're doing double IPAs, but British style. So we're only going to go up to about 6% alcohol. So aroma, you're going to have the very same types of hops as the other two. Uh, medium to medium high malt aroma. No diacetyl. Um, medium. Never diacetyl. <laughs> medium-ish, medium low to medium high, fruity esters, uh, moderate caramel, uh, low to moderate caramels, okay in the aroma, but you don't want to overdo it. Uh, the appearance is a light amber to deep copper color, good, brilliant clarity. That's really important for most British beers. Uh, it's going to be also easy to pull off with British beers because British yeasts tend to clump together really well. And they'll fall to the bottom of the tank and not really stir up. And so you're not going to get these these cloudy IPAs out of a British L yeast. There is something nice, though, that a nice, like, a really nice clear beer sometimes. You know, if it's to style. Yep. Like, it, 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 it pleases my brain. Absolutely. Um, a low head is acceptable when carbonation is also low. But a low to moderate white to off-white head is probably what you're going to get. Flavor-wise, you're you're looking for a hot medium to medium-high bitterness with supporting malt flavors that are evident. So you want it to kind of balance out those the bitterness there. Again, you're going to see bready, biscuity, nutty, lightly toasted. Um, optionally, you can have low to moderate caramel flavor, toffee flavor. Don't go overboard on this. Low to moderate is really low to moderate. Just barely <laughs> taste it. It's, it's not, oh, no, no. We need to... Need to load this thing down. It's... Yeah. Very same um, low types means of, low. Low means low. Very same types of uh, your fruity, resinous, earthy, floral uh, hop characters. Hop bitterness and flavor should be noticeable, but shouldn't totally dominate the rest of the malt flavor. Uh, moderately low to high fruity esters are okay. That will come from those fruity esters will come from the yeast, though, not necessarily from any of the uh, hopping. So you may also have low amounts of alcohol. Um, it, it's possible. Medium, to dry to dry finish. So you don't want a whole lot of sweetness at, at the end of this beer. It's a, a mm. beer that you – it's high alcohol, high for Brits, I guess, but you still want to have uh, medium dry finish. In the mouthfeel, you're going to get a medium light to a medium full body. Um, that's very, very similar to what the other two have been. Um, 
but it goes just a little bit more. Just think of a bigger version of a bitter. Um, then on your stronger versions, you can actually have a little bit of slight alcohol warmth, but shouldn't be too high. So everything that's done in British beers, don't go too crazy with it. Pale ale, amber, crystal malts, may even use a touch of black malt for color adjustments to bring that a little bit darker. You can, I wouldn't suggest, but you can use sugar adjuncts, corn or weed in there. Um, English finishing hops are most traditional, but any hops are fair game as long as you don't use a heavy amount of like American flavored hops. Uh, so don't use citrusy hops in there. Don't use uh, piney resinous on the piney side hops. Characterful British yeast is good. Burton versions use medium to high sulfate water, which can increase the perception of dryness, add minerality or sulfur aroma. And if you had high sulfate w water, you're going to also increase the bitterness of that. So it's more of a, a bitter side. Uh, style comparison means you're going to have more evident malt and hop flavors than in the special or best. So this is the high, high flavor version of all these as well as more alcohol. Stronger versions may overlap somewhat with British strong ales. So you can even go even higher and it turns into a British strong ale. Although strong bitters will tend to be paler and more bitter rather than just stronger alcohol content. Um, I, bitter is 30 to 50 IBUs. So let's say that too, uh, just so we're out there. And, and ABV is 4.6 to 6.2. More malt flavor, particularly caramel and esters than an American pale ale. But you got to think, American Pale L side, you're you're pushing the hops heavy on that end. Yeah. Um, on this end, you're pushing more of the the malty flavors and hops to be in balance. Uh, you are looking for commercial examples like Bass. So Bass Ale, fairly easy to find that example. Um, Sam Smith's Old Brewery Pale L, Shepherd Neem's Bishop's Finger, <laughs> Shepherd Neem's Spitfire. West Berkshire Drive, uh, Hector's Healer, Whitbread Pale Ale, Young's Ramrod. Yeah. Car Ramrod. Car right. Ramrod. And that, I believe, are that that are the bitters. Yep. That are bitters. <laughs> That's the way the bitter bitters. Right. Yeah, that was uh, I didn't know a lot of that, I don't think. I I don't know that I've had that much experience with that particular style. I think this is one of my favorite styles to um, to really sit down and drink a lot of hmm. um, because they do tend to be dry. As long as it's not a super caramelly version, they really tend to be balanced with hops and malt. It's a beer that you can sit down, especially on that uh, best bitter side or even a little bit on the ordinary bitter side if you're, you're looking for something to drink a long time on. Um, but I'll really like those for um, especially – let me just say this, no diacetyl either, because those th that can clow on you, and, and you don't yeah. want to drink a lot with all that. All right. Cool. One time I'm going to get a very a beer that has a lot of diacetyl flavors in there, and then want to have some popcorn and watch a movie. <laughs> and then just, like, <laughs> need water for the next day. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Uh, let's get into what we're doing right now. Yeah, what are we drinking? Drink with me, friend. Chris. I want to know what you're drinking. <laughs> Whoa, cutting the line. Nah. Uh, no, go ahead, Brittany. I'm just joking with Chris because of... Yeah, I, his very special his drink. <laughs> very special. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I'm I'm probably one of the, the 
only couple of us, I guess, that um, went <laughs> with, uh, with the alcohol still. Yes- yesterday was a rough day um, on the drinking end for all of us since we were all here drinking lots. Ruin them, um, ruined us. Yeah, among other things. Um, I, thankfully, none of us got riggedy wrecked. And I am... I, I actually just finished my beer. I got a... Um, it's from Epic Brewing Company. It's called Hop Syndrome Lager. And it's a premium lager, 4.5% ABV. Uh, I couldn't find IBU information anywhere. And on rate beer, it's got a 62 style... Or 62 for the beer, 92 overall. Or for the style. Jeez. Um, and the description is... Uh, it's a wonderful hoppy lager. It's a new addition to uh, Epic's ever-expanding exponential series for their seasonal series the crystal hop gives it a clean spice while the calypso hops give it a pleasant almost fruity aroma easy to drink and perfect for a summer day out um yeah i kind of agree with that it was a very pleasant beer um nice light beer it would be a good beer with dinner mm, yeah um yeah it, it wasn't it, it didn't seem super lagery to me but um it was it was refreshing so yeah uh All right. epic uh, well, I also was drinking beer, and I had uh, something from Braxton. Uh, when I was up there, we had to run by Kroger, and I saw something that's like, you know what? This is the right. This this will at least be pretty close to the to, to tomorrow's episode. Let's just just pick up this whole whole pack. Mm, yeah. Got a whole six pack of it. Uh, it's 1957 All Star Ale. Mm. Yes, their beer for opening day. Well, actually, it was originally the beer for uh, the All Star Game. Oh, right, right, yeah. A couple of years ago, and then they just—I guess—they've decided now they're going to rebrew it every year for opening day. Uh, it is a English style mild, coming in at about four percent ABV with seventeen IBUs. Its rate beer score needs more ratings to actually have a score show up. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty—it's still pretty, uh, pretty new because it was very limited the first time it came out. Yeah, but uh, they have a description here on the can. It says 1957 is a 1957 is a one of a kind beer utilizing specialty malts. This English style mild features a unique nuttiness and a caramel like sweetness that uh, that's intended to remind you of America's favorite ballpark ballpark snack. Faint hop uh, presence to balance the light malt body to make this a great summertime take me out to the ball game beer. Uh, yeah, no, it is actually kind of, kind of caramely and, uh, I don't know, there, there may be a nuttiness that may be what I'm, I'm, <laughs> that may be what I'm, I'm ta- tasting for some of it. There, there is something about it that I've been trying to pin down this whole time while I've been drinking it. Like there's just some, I, I keep trying to figure out what this flavor is, uh, and I can't quite place it, but, uh, I have more of this beer, so I'll get to the bottom of this mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I love that beer. Or it is really good. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 very different stuff. Different from what I, you know, I don't even know what I was expecting when I was getting it. Uh, I was just like, all right, let's take a look at it. And I was like, oh, it's a nice dark dark color. Its maltiness is is pretty nice, but it it's not too strong. So I don't know. Well, I do recommend it if you if you can find it, get it. Which means if you're in Kentucky, yeah, the greater Cincinnati, Cincinnati area. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right, Chris. All right, well, I had to dip back into the reserves here and uh, pull something extra special out. No, no, I'm having a Gatorade. (laughs) I feel like hot garbage. So I had a Gatorade Frost 
Glacier Cherry <laughs> because I wanted a clear Gatorade in case I threw up. I didn't want fun colors. You didn't want to taste the rainbow? <laughs> fun colors aren't fun when they're coming back out. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just a little more nauseating coming back out. So so we went with the nice. You didn't want to like look down and go, when did I what? <laughs> yeah, when we had food poisoning, I, I made the same call so that uh, the toilet wasn't fun colors. <laughs> yeah. So what's the what's the IBUs on that? <laughs> uh, let me just check. Yeah, it, it's gonna be zero. <laughs> oh. A lot of electrolytes, though. It it does have brave. it does have a lot of electrolytes. Twenty five milligrams of sodium, sixty five milligrams of pot- potassium. <laughs> All right, Casey. I think I wasn't alone in the uh, not having alcohol. What uh, what are you having? No, um, definitely on the side of let's try to soothe instead of anger. The, the uh, porcelain uh, throne gods. We are going with tea today um yeah i kind of switched over to this new obsession so once you once you learn so much about beer you kind of want to branch out into other things that that you need to spend time that you don't have to look at and so this one happens to be this obsession happens to be tea so today i'm having um from the fujian province of china a dahong pao oolong style tea uh i'm brewing it gung fu or gong fu style um, something I'm really starting to get into now. So small, basically it's a small vessel with a lid on it that you use that to strain out the tea leaves instead of uh, having like a tea strainer in the actual pot. Oh. This one you pour it over the leaves and then just put the lid over top of it. It's got a saucer, a cup, and a lid. And you basically just use the lid to strain it out. So you put like almost like seven or maybe five, six, seven grams of tea in and then you pour maybe a shot of 50 milliliters of liquid on top of that. So it starts, you brew very strong teas in the beginning, and then as you keep on doing that, they start to get a little weaker. So you um, pour bourbon on top of it. <laughs> right. Uh, tried to, on this one, I tried to do uh, just water. Uh, we'll see We'll see if bourbon comes along after, you know, after I'm not hungover. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so tea for today, and um, we'll see in the near future probably. All right, cool. Yeah, not not as exciting today, but uh, it's we're all in recovery we're, we're mode. Good. Yeah, we it's it's fine because we got a video episode coming up next week. We're, we're, there's going to be more drinking, kids. All right. Okie dokie then. Well, let's just go ahead and start by saying subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on uh the video youtube yeah youtube as well um please rate the show on itunes the video thing you know the red box stuff that what with the what with the 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 nut shots there you go um so uh when you do that you can also go online and rate us on itunes to help spread the word help spread the word yes we we need those them ratings we need them be helpful let people know that we can uh, yeah introduce all of your friends to us don't we're not a secret yeah uh visibility on there is determined by your ratings so if you type in have a drink we are not i don't even think we're in the first page of results Hmm. it's practically non-existent yeah so people typing it in can't even hardly find it 
but we just have to get more ratings and then they'll be like oh oh this is a thing and it'll start when you actually type it in it'll start showing up much like the itunes reviews yeah right yes uh so don't forget you can tell us your favorite drink ask a question or just leave some general feedback uh and you can use the email address feedback at have a drink show.com and you can also use the feedback page on the website and that yep. would be where that's the address we're telling you if you have if you're if you're heading to nertacular and you want to try to plan something yeah get a hold of us there <laughs> and all joking and fun aside we'd like to remind everyone please drink responsibly don't drink and drive i would say don't drink to excess but we're very guilty of that if you're going to drink to excess do it in the safety of your own home or someone else's home that they'll let you sleep yes exactly there. well let you stay there you might not they might not let you sleep they might just no, keep you up all night all right okay so again um in one week we've got our video episode on uh, sunday then uh check us out another couple of weeks for the next audio episode though uh once again i'm Brittany lee walker I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.